Joseph Gibson podcasting here, Understanding the Times in which we live today, Restoring Our Republic every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've been doing it now for quite some time. We allow the Republic to come onto this platform and to, to bring a message to the American people and give a chance after the Republic gives its weekly message for the people to engage the Republic and ask uh, serious pertinent questions or maybe bring a, a subject matter up that uh, of concern to the American people. And right now I'm going to turn it over to the Republic to your lawful de jour government, the Republic of the United States of America. Good evening, America, and the rest of the world. You know, Joe, tonight is going to play a pivotal point for the history of our nation and the rest of the world. Because as we go, uh, the rest of the world will follow. Not to be melodramatic, it all depends on your perspective. I'll give you a good example of that. As I was taking my ballot to the polling place. There was a young man in his early 40s that was exuberant. And uh, he couldn't help but sharing some of that exuberance and greeting me, and I didn't know him. And, and he said, oh, he said, what a wonderful privilege this is to be able to, to have a voice and cast our ballot. I said, yeah. I said, you know, funny about life, but as you get older, think your know, perspective changes. And I said, you know, in my in my world, you come to a point where you realize that it's up to you to own your own reality and and do something about it instead of abdicating your responsibility to somebody else. And he said, you got it. That's exactly what I'm feeling. Well, I could have let him down a rabbit hole, but I didn't. I let him go, and we had things to do. But I think that indicates where we are as a country and as a world today. I have no doubt that when enough righteous people decide that they are not going to abdicate responsibility to a third party for their future, and they're going to mandate that they're taking control and that this country is for a moral and righteous people. And that means there's going to be some house cleaning and some trash taken out. And that's just part of cleaning house, folks. Welcome to your new reality. And so I engage this with a view of optimism, of of hope and expectations. Because our Father in Heaven has a covenant with us that says if we repent and change from our evil ways, and seek to do God's will, that he will bless our land. And I paraphrase that verse, but you know the verse. And I believe that it's beginning. And so, it's been hidden in plain sight. It's November of 2010. The Declaration of Sovereign Intent. And so, tonight, I'm going to ask Governor Henning if he would please uh, open this conversation up by reading... Uh, the first reading of our Declaration of Sovereign Intent, filed on your behalf by God-fearing and moral and just and lawful, peaceful people that simply want our land back. Go ahead, Governor Henney. Thank you, Governor. Exhibit 1, Declaration of Sovereign Intent, adopted 14 November 2010, Republic for United States of America. Declaration of Sovereign Intent, we the Congress of the people on the land of the Republic, and quote, Republic for United States, United in lower case U, 
States of America, end quote, which name will be used in reference to our republic in all documents and communication from this day forward in session in the presence of Almighty God, do hereby declare the following to be true and self-evident. We, the people on the land of the Republic for the United States of America, do hereby declare that in the year of our Lord, 1776, the Founding Fathers created a Declaration of Independence to declare our separation from England. This declaration acknowledges that the people of America have the right to abolish any government they feel is not in the interest of their safety and security. We, the people on the land of the Republic for the United States of America, do hereby declare that in the year 1791, the Congress of the United States of America in session adopted a constitution for the United States of America and a Bill of Rights. This constitution affirms that we, the people, lawfully settled within the territory boundaries of the Republic for the United States of America here, certain equal, inherited, unalienable rights from the Creator Almighty God, which can never be removed, altered, or denied by the government. End of reading. Thank you. So if we were going to go about our task of re-inhabiting our lawful republic as American people, there's guidelines that have to be followed, procedures, protocols that need to be followed. And this is where we begin to journey. If you want to read all about it, you can go to reinhabited.com and uh, or our website, republicfortheunitedstatesofamerica.org, and follow along and buy the Reinhabited books, one and two. That's your truthful history. That's the backstory that this is brought forward. This is Waters. You had quite a perspective on this. Would you share your thoughts, sir? Yes, sir. The Founding Fathers, way back in the middle 1700s, they knew that something had to be done with the colonies. And through the next 20 years, coming about full face with England, understanding what was going on, England was trying to raise taxes on them. Things that they were doing, they weren't reaping a reward or a profit for. England was taking it in taxes. So something had to be done. They were beginning to live like they did when they were in the motherland. And that just wasn't good enough. So they got together. They formed a militia. They formed a continental army. And they decided that the best way to take what they needed was to literally take it if they had to. Not everybody was on board. There were many who didn't want to fight for whatever reason. Some of them believed that religiously it was wrong to fight. Others thought, no, if I, if I fight, I have a good chance of dying. But there were those who realized if they wanted freedom, then they may have to give the ultimate sacrifice, and that's dying for what you believe in. And that started a thinking amongst the colonists. And everybody understands if you're old enough, when you were in school, to hear about different things and different people that took place just prior to the beginning of the Revolutionary War. Who can forget about people riding down the streets, yelling out the British are coming? Who can forget the statements that were made? I've just begun to fight. Give me liberty or give me death. This was the attitude of the colonists. 
because they understood one thing. We either fight for our freedoms or we're all going to live as slaves and die. They decided to fight. Wasn't an easy choice, but they had to do it. They did it. He was on board. Believe it or not, only about 12 to 13 percent of the population of that day truly wanted to go to war against England. I mean, after all, England, a huge navy, a huge standing army, the best in the world. Even the Muslims did not want to fight England. And that says something. But guess what? They did. Now, it didn't happen overnight, and they were losing a lot of battles at, at, at first. But under the direction of General George Washington and others, they believed in a God of the universe. They believed in a God of the laws of nature. And they believed that that same God was going to get them through because they believed that that God put them on this new land called America. And because they were here, this was their new beginning. They also understood one other thing, their heritage, their bloodline, where they came from. They believe wholeheartedly, and then it's been proven since, that many of them have the bloodline of the 12 tribes of Israel that run through their bodies. They believe this was the new Israel. They believe that this was the new Mount Zion thing and the Battle of Armageddon was going to be fought on this land. They believe that. They wrote letters and sermons about it. But they understood that in order for all that to happen, England had to be removed out of the way. That required a miracle. And not just one, but many miracles came in the next few years, and they were victorious. A group of ragtag individuals with really no fighting experience conquered the world's most dominant military. Conquered them. Put them on their knee. Bankrupt them. It wasn't long after that the King of England had to go to France and some other nations and beg for treasury money. And here we are, we're prospering. But they had to give something first. They had to take that first initial step. When we, in 2010, wrote this Declaration of Sovereign Intent, it was with that understanding, with that feeling in mind and our spirits of what we accomplished as a group of people that in this newly formed group at the time was called by a different name. But now we knew that we were going to be called the Republic. We weren't starting anything new. We weren't starting anything, you know, out the backside of us. This was something that was already there. It was already created. And we found something else out. It was never done away with. Not by law. It would just put up on the on the top of the shelf somewhere and left to just collect dust. And we found it. So when we wrote this document, we were in essence telling the world, like our founding fathers told the world in their day, this is who we are. Get away from us. You can't remove it from us. You can't tell us to do something different. This is who we are. We believe in a God that created everything 
and gave us dominion over the earth. And we believe in the laws of nature that that God presides over because he's the one that created it. And they went forward and they wound up writing a constitution, a bill of rights and laws that are all based on the word of God, the Bible. Not the King James so much, but the Hebrew Bible. Understand that. The watered-down version of the gospel, the full-fledged gospel of the Torah. That's what they believed in. That's why their laws are different than what we are used to today. That's why their, their way of life was different then than it is now. This document goes to prove that everything they did, we adopted. We are no different than what they are. Nobody can take that part of this away from us. That's why we haven't been in a situation like other groups have been in, because we've done everything lawfully. And in their system, we've done it legally. We've notified the people we are supposed to notify of who we are, and we went forward and we never started trouble. We never created a situation where there was fighting in the streets because you didn't believe like we did. The Democratic Party can't make claim to that tonight. You don't believe the way they believe. They just soon shoot you in the head or hit you in the head with a hammer. That's not us. That's not who we are. We let God fight our fights. We are here tonight explaining to the people of this country, the United States, the Union of States, on this election day in their system, there is an alternative to what you see out there on TV every day. We are the real government, the founding government. They are the charade. They are the play. They are just actors. We are the real. They are not. So with that, I'll yield. Uh, In the meantime, we can't, as representatives of the Republic, go to the World Court, go to The Hague, or, or ask these other countries for assistance. Is that an option? At this point in time, I mean, we could probably do that. It wouldn't get us very far because they are playing under the hand of the Federal Reserve. The World Court, The Hague, it gets money given to them from the Federal Reserve System. That's how it operates. We pay our dues with that money. So for us to go there and say we need this in their system, it don't, doesn't work that way. The only way that would work is if the corporation would go away some way, somehow, and we were left to, to take the positions over, then we could. But not up and you know, not until that time comes. And that's why we need the people to back with us to make a stand inside the country and tell the world that way, this is who we are and the people are wanting it. The people demand it. That's the only way in, in lawful and legal standing we have to stand ourselves up. Other than that, something's got to happen that will remove the entire corporate government. So that, okay. that's why it hasn't happened that way yet. I want to say something, yeah. Hey, folks, just step back, take a deep breath, and think about this. 
don't you think the brighter minds than us have already gone down this rabbit hole and figured out that this thing is a worldwide chess board and that we can influence our country to a certain extent, but without the rest of the world on board, the enemy still got us surrounded. We all recognize this, and we all we all know what the odds are and that the odds are against us. So many of us are, are running around with our hair on fire. I'm here to tell you, folks, that brighter minds have been thinking about this for decades and decades and decades and implementing this. We're just one cornerstone of the plan. The rest of it's the future, and that's to be taken care of by the people who want to direct their own future. And that's probably the people that are listening to this call tonight. Thanks, Joe, for letting me uh, share my opinion. All right. Hey, my name is Joe Malone. I'm actually in Maricopa County right now. How are you doing? All right. Hey, so in regards to what I just heard the last man say about going through these world courts, you know, especially it, it perturbs me that a guy who says, you know, we let God fight our own fights. You know, God gave us the Holy Spirit for a reason, man. He moves hearts of people to take action. Noah had to pick up a hammer. David had to pick up a rock. And yet, why is it that the Republicans, all these people, in these talking heads on social media, or whether it's Charlie Kirk, I was at a rally the other day where Charlie Kirk literally put a guy, his, his staffers, in between me and him, because I want to talk about protesting. You can't organize on social media. You cannot do it. You cannot say the things that need to be said unless you get people together and you protest. And, and, and literally, that's the only way, because there's an outline in, in the Declaration of Independence on what the people have. And it has to do with natural right. It doesn't have to do with the Hague or all these worldly institutions that God would rebuke and smite off the face of the earth if it, was, if it was his due time to do so. So you want to play by their rules. That's just a waste of energy, just like our elections are a waste of energy right now. They're going to be stolen. You're going to have more people on the left in power. And the only way you take your, your power back is by protesting. We saw what the power did in France with the Yellow Vest movement. Those people came out to the, by the tens of thousands, by literally hundreds of thousands of people, went to the streets to protest, and they organized. But yet America can't even do that for one single day out of the year? That's pathetic. I agree. And, and, and so we, we, we create the excuses that, you know what, we're, our leaders in the GOP, if they truly love this country, they'll say, guess what, it's time for us to protest. It's time for us to go to the streets and talk about what needs to be done to save this country because no one else is doing it. And, and that is back to the natural law. And we don't need the Hague. We don't need all these institutions. We need to realize that we're sovereign individuals ourselves and we can take back every single office with our own redress of grievances and demanding that these people be held criminally liable and that the real criminals be thrown out of their offices of position. And until that happens, that's the only way it's going to happen. So I don't, I don't want to hear about, oh, the election, you know, should, should have gone our way. No, no. The elections have been rigged for years and years and years. And it's all because of these international banking cartels, the families and all these people that run this crap. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm a little on fire because I, I had just somebody, I had somebody on, on, online just say, Oh, you just talk. You don't do nothing. I'm like, I'm trying to recruit men. I'm trying to tell women. You know what how, You know what the women need to do? Is the women need to get in the faces of these men and be like, why don't you grab your balls and be a man and stand up and do something? 
because they don't. Well, uh, and <laughs> women have point. the capacity. Yeah, and women have the the duty and the capacity to inspire men to stand up. But until they under understand that too, and, and and social media is a shit show. All these people do is like you'll notice in in, in Republican media on social media, we'll we'll post something silly and stupid that maybe makes a, a reasonable reasonable point in like a a meme. And yeah, that gets attention. But when we actually post like, hey, let's organize, let's meet at this time, there's zero views, there's zero likes. It's like, I think maybe people are afraid to even share this. Maybe people are afraid to even like it. But if people don't even have the balls to like and share something, that's why I realized social media is a dead joke. What we have to do is we actually do what I did the other day. I went to a political rally in a sign in my battle dress uniforms with, and it said, join the militia now, take your country back. Because that's what your natural rights are all about. That's what the founders did with the King of England, and that's what we have to do now. And until we do that, then there's no point. Because we're being genocided, we're being vaccinated and sprayed with chemtrails, and they have fired the first shots already. So I, I don't get what the, what the hell people are waiting for. Amen. Except- How about just a little yes. common sense here, folks, okay? Just some common sense. How many years have we been grilled, Joe, by all these people looking for the truth? Oh, for since since the beginning years, you know. Every, I mean, we're we're scrutinized. We're treated like a doormat. We have no respect in a lot of circles. And so, do we represent the will of the American people? Absolutely not. Now, yeah, we do. Now, now let me finish. Now you're asking the world, a group of ragtag people that even their own people don't accept as legitimate and worth getting, gathering around to have, a, in their eyes, a, a coup because it's not the will of the American people. Now, if it was the will of the American people, we would have a different conversation. Just common sense, folks. I agree with you, Jim. I don't want to, you know, feed into the appeasement of of evil and and say, ah, well, you know, well, I guess we'll just wait for God to come back. No, I would like, you know, I believe that we have to rally the troops out there. We have to rally the people lawfully, lawfully to to rise up and uh, take back what is was rightfully theirs. You know, and the others out there that won't don't want to come along with us, we have to leave. We, yeah, we're going to get the naysayers. We're going to get the naysayers, but we'll just you know dust our shoes like the Bible says. We'll dust our shoes off, turn our backs on them, and walk away. You know, let they let them be heretics. You know, well, sure, but so the we can't. The question is, why doesn't the UN step in and represent a small ragtag group of people that has lawful rights to, to exist and is recognized? Because it's been done right by the head. But yet, we're asking a handful of ragtag people that can't even get along with the people we're supposed to represent. And if we're supposed to ask the head to come in on our behalf just because it's a moral thing to do, that's not common sense, folks. No, you're common right, you're right, you're right. And the founders. Republic, get yeah. behind your republic and quit bickering amongst ourselves, and let's go for a common cause under one flag. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Under the government yeah. of our God who gave us this land, and we'll see things happen that we will appreciate. But until yeah. then, we're a dog chasing our tail. 
Well, we don't have the numbers, yes, that's correct. But that's what we're trying to do. Is we, that's why I said that point, is that there has to be enough righteous people out there still left that we can get them together. And that's the point of this platform and Mike's platform and the Republic's platform all these years, is try to bring people to the table. But, you know, again, I, I do have to say, yeah, with the, as much as I promoted the Republic and have failed, I think I've failed thus far getting the attention of the people as much as I've tried to advertise it and, 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 and every time, every platform I go to, uh, I talk about the Republic and stand up for the Republic and say, look, this is the lawful way of doing things. You're right. I receive opposition and uh, uh, backlash, but I'm not going to let that you know, steer me away from what I believe is right in my heart, and, and I know consciously it is right, and through studying and, and listening. And sometimes I can't articulate the message through words clearly enough to convince everybody, but I can convince a lot, you know, and that's where everyone else comes in. We need to hear other voices out there, new voices. We can't just well, have the same thing. about why worth. we don't have the U.N. backing us and stepping in. I hope that this answers the question and we can go on to a new question. Yeah, we don't have the yet. We can't get the UN because we don't have the numbers yet. Okay, that, I think that's basically the answer to the question. But now, Mike, you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, for whatever it's worth, I mean, I did send out a text before the show to 25 people. So I don't know how many lines you usually get or how many hands are raised or how many people usually call yeah, we've in got, or are calling yeah. in tonight. Yeah, but, we do. Uh, people do I'm, get impatient and they hang up. They do. I wish they wouldn't. You know, I do see new callers that yeah, put I just their hands to up. encourage you. Yeah. Next one's yeah. encouraged to go ahead and take as many hands as you can. Yeah, 806 here. So in uh, 1995, cause number 94135, the International Court of Justice, Justice, which is the seat of The Hague, and its principal jurisdictional origin of the United Nations, ruled a want of jurisdiction concerning the nation of the Republic of Texas. Let it be noted that the ICJ cannot rule on sovereign issues. It can only rule on corporate issues between corporate nations and or states, with differences between two or more corporations or corporate states due to its own corporate status. So, okay. you know, the Hague is not the answer, because you're talking about jurisdictional differences. The corporations are not going to deal with matters when it comes to the republic. The only opportunity that the Republic has is the military, and that would be the Uniform Military Code of Justice and the laws of war. I yield. I agree. I, 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 would, I would agree. You know, to the last caller, you're exactly right. I never said that the Republic would go to The Hague. I said that the Republic went to The Hague to deliver this DSI. So the world, through The Hague, knows who we are. That's one of the things that, that is done under international law. And you're right about the corporate status. They do not deal with anything other than corporations. That's why it would do us no good to go to The Hague for any reason at any time because we are not under a corporate status in the Republic. The thing of it is we would never go back to The Hague to get anything from them because we don't need to. And you're right. Okay, so we agree. Okay, so we agree on that. Okay, so the Hague is not going to get us anywhere. I I think you would have better chances because, you know, one thing that you notice the tactics of the federal government, especially when it comes to the Secretary of Defense, what's his name, who's always trying to usurp the power of the National Guard 
into forcing them to answer to federal officials. And the, the National Guard is their own entity and it belongs to the states. And I think we would have better luck approaching our own National Guard commanders. But yeah, I think we would have better if we were able to protest and we had the emails and we sent and we asked and demanded that the representatives, uh, the commanders of the National Guards be there and hear the redress of grievances and hearing the truth on all the subjects, whether it's the vaccines, the chemtrails, the, the deprivation of rights, there'd be a list of it. And I've been working on a redress of grievance for years. Much of it was done as a political prisoner because I campaigned for sheriff of Maricopa County in 2020. The FBI illegally searched my house, basically abducted me, took me into federal I heard custody. about that. I heard about that, actually. I heard about you, yes. Yes, and, and I was left there to rot. And, and they went so far as when, when friends and supporters tried to actually look me up in the CCA database or even the, the U.S. Marshals database, I was ghosted. It was almost like basically being taken to a CIA black site where no one could find you, no one could look you up. The only immediate like people I could get in touch with were the family and the phone numbers I had to my head and my lawyer. And my lawyer was a leftist who even said to me, like, I hate guns. I'm like, well, why would you be fit to defend my <laughs> oh, rights? Boy. I want to make, make a Second Amendment challenge. And, and I asked her all these, like, you know, kind of download questions to see where she was at. And she was appointed after my original attorney. She was down to fight. But then all of a sudden... She gets she pulled off my case, and I get this other leftist, or I forget her name, but she was miserable. And so it got to a point where I went in front of federal judge Glenn Campbell, and this guy, he belongs to the Mormon Church. He's a, he was appointed by George W. Bush. And I say, Your Honor, me and this woman have an irreconcilable conflict of interest. I want to fire her and represent myself. And what does she do? She raises her hand and says, basically, I'm concerned about Malone's mental stability and that he's not thinking clearly due to his incarceration. I'm like, who would not be? And it, under the circumstances. Yeah. And and so it was an illegal search based on stalking horse doctrine, which is just another way to abrogate rights. And it, that should be absolute. And they knew. And they knew because when I was, I was actually having a lot of success. And I was bringing people that were Democrats, people that were right wing, you name it. And I was talking about the judicial experience and what it is. And when they drag you through this dystopia. And, and President Andrew Johnson said something that's very key, and this is why the Hague is a terrible idea. Dealing with this multiplicity of laws and all the systems is is foolish because they they want us to file lawsuits that they can just say are frivolous. Don't and just, uh, don't enter them. into their jurisdiction. Don't go into their jurisdiction. Don't, right? Yeah. Don't even don't even go there. Remember that the natural law is all we answer to as men. As, as sovereign individuals, and by trying to recognize their dual sovereignty, sovereignty doctrine and the federal and states are sovereign, no, the people are sovereign. That was the most important idea that came out of the Revolutionary War. And we have to get back to that and also realize that in part of this redress of grievances, we have to tell these legislatures, stop making laws. You suck at it. In fact, get rid of all the laws because you've made so many laws, the police don't even know how to do their job efficiently anymore. Our quality of the people that we put in jail is diminished. All the worst criminals are let free and, and doing all the messed up, corrupt crap they want, especially out here in Arizona. And they get away with everything. And so we don't have police resources focusing 
on the people they should. Instead, we mass incarcerate people with substance abuse issues. But that's why we're trying to re-inhabit the de jure lawful government, which is the republic, and that's what we've been trying to do, and that's what we have done, and that's what was done in 2010. Governor Henning, explain again, uh, real again, these new callers that have come, come in, and what we're doing here, real quick. We're trying to get people to the republic. You see, if we have 30,000, we can gather 30,000 each state under, by, by, by the Northwest Ordinance, gives us the legal, lawful authority to re-inhabit the seat, lawful seats of our republic. Doesn't that have to be 30, doesn't that have to be 30 nationals, of the people that have repudiated their citizenship? They don't have to, to do that. They just got to be able to stand up and say, I am now part of the republic. I understand my rights. You are unlawful because of the way you obtained your power starting way back in the you know mid 1800s 1861 so yeah all they have to do is stand up and say we we no longer want to play ball in your court and we're part of the republic and all you got to do is get 30,000 per state if we can do that in a matter of But Mike saying Mike Mike asked the question is why is 30,000? Why is 30 the number 30,000? And I've already said it already three because times by that the northwest ordinance gives us that lawful standing. And the constitution states that. The constitution okay. states that in the uh first uh, article with with the congress about the representatives. So okay. that's where the northwest ordinance comes into play. We need 30,000 in each territory that becomes a state and therefore, we can move forward. So without the 30,000 under law, uh, now that's our law, then we can't move forward until we get 30,000. How do we go about getting that 30,000, everybody? I mean, everybody's out there working their butts off to try to figure things out and how to break away and put this, this get, get shake this evil off of our backs in this country. We're watching our country spiral downhill. But how do we get the 30,000? Does it seem to be a lost cause? I mean, or are we just going to be running around doing our own little thing and continuing, like Jim said, you know, the Republic's been here and we're going to get attacked and ridiculed. And then uh, Eric's going to get attacked and ridiculed for what he does. Charles is going to get attacked and ridiculed for what he does. Mike's going to get attacking and we're, we're just going to be divided and we're going to continue to be divided and divided as we, we will fall you know so how do we come together can i can i say something on that because yeah i think just with anything you know um there's there's some psychological aspects to this and and symbolism is is very powerful things that are inspirational um inspiring people because if you bring art and creativity to the platform and that's why, like, when it came to the redress that I'm working on and the meaning, it, there's an acronym. It's called CPR. We all know it's CPR. It's a life-saving tool. And, mm-hmm. But it also has an acronym for Coalition Purple Rose. And the Purple Rose is a symbol. It, 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 it's got beauty to it. It's a symbol of creation. And it's also the color of royalty. It's the color of Christ. And I, I see case laws when it when it goes back to I can't remember if it was Warring versus Mara Savannah, but it says the the people of this state are entitled to all the rights which beling, previously belonged to the king as his prerogative, prerogative. I may have butchered that a little, but but that people are sovereign and that they have these the same rights as royalty and that they can't be abrogated by any state law. And when I talk to people in person, I tell you the success is. It's way better, and I, I even in the last week, I've had more success than I ever have because I just said, screw it. I'm going to go out there to the sign, you know, to the event for Carrie Lake or Blake Waters. I'm going to stand there, and I, I wear my gear. I wear my gear, and people see that, and then they see the sign saying, 
at the end of it, it says join the militia, and and they and most of these people in the geo, in the Republican Party, they understand that history, and they're ready. The righteous so no army, one, yes, putting together a righteous yes. army, the militia, yeah. Yes, and so combining the, the the creative and the art and the inspirational, and actually showing up in person in that battle dress uniform is a very powerful statement. And I'm telling you, like, I'm not recruiting radicals. I'm rec- I'm recruiting people that are fathers who are coming to these GOP events with their children and their everyday regular people. That's, I think, what we have to do. We have to think of our marketing and, yes, branding, as much as I hate the business aspect of looking at this, but there is a thing to the psychology of, of symbolism. At least strategically, what has to be done is that we are organizing those of us who are of like mind county to county throughout every state. I mean, that is the strategy. People need to have an, a, that there's camaraderie in that. Hey, this is, this is my county. Hey, there's three or four or five county coordinators that are coordinating this effort in their county, and people are jumping on board with the same message that we all share from top to bottom. 